0: Peace of our Lord be with you. And also with you. I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart, and could wish that I myself were cut off from Christ for the sake of my own people, the Israelites to whom belong the promises, and from whom comes the Messiah. Thus begins this morning's epistle lesson, with Paul in such anguish over the future of those Jews who do not believe what Paul believes about Jesus, that Paul goes so far as to say that he would Give up his own salvation if it would transfer his share of God's grace to God's people. A passage which calls to mind that moment in Marilyn Robinson's novel, Lila, when Lila, having realized that her childhood, guardian and protector, Doll might not be saved, goes down to the river to wash off her baptism, preferring to be lost with Doll than saved without her. Lila's anguish over Dahl, a fierce echo of Paul's anguish over Israel. Paul's anguish over Israel comes at the beginning of that section of the Book of Romans, which I call the Roman parenthesis. It's a self-contained unit within Paul's letter to the Romans a section unto itself which begins at Romans chapter 9 and verse 1 with Paul's anguish over Israel and ends about 10 minutes later with Paul declaring in Romans 11:26 all Israel will be saved. To which Paul then adds in Romans eleven thirty-two, God has included all in sin so that God can include all in mercy. Paul's journey from the onlyism of chapter 9 where he feared that only those who believed what he believed would be safe in the hands of God. To the all-ism of chapter 11, where the same Paul declared in the same letter that all Israel would be saved because Since God had included all in sin, God would include all in mercy. Needless to say, no one can say what Paul's words may have meant in his mouth. Or own the ears of those who first heard them. But as I sat with these words this week, <laughs> Paul's journey from onlyism to allism became, for me, a snapshot of my own long journey with the Holy Spirit. A hard and slow journey for anyone who grew up as did I in a world where so much seemed to depend on our faith being the only faith where God could be found. It was not hard for us to guard that core belief because most of us did not know anyone who did not believe more or less what we believed. For Christians in the Macon, Georgia of my childhood to decide whether or not others could ultimately be embraced in the grace of God was to speak from a place of unchallenged authority, not unlike a Hindu in Calcutta, a Jew in Jerusalem, or a Muslim in Tehran, deciding whether or not Christians can be embraced in the grace of God. And on those rare occasions, when anyone would raise the question of whether or not the grace of God might reach beyond the boundaries of our faith, the conversation usually turned to verses of Scripture which uh, supported uh, our uh, Thinking that that the grace of God could not operate beyond the boundaries of our faith, most often uh, John chapter 3 and verse 18, and John chapter 14 and verse 6. Um, But to the best that my memory serves me, I never once remember anyone saying, of course, on the other hand, there is 1 Timothy 4.10, which says that God is the savior of all people, especially those who believe. And of course, there's Titus 2.11, which says, the grace of God has appeared bringing salvation to all people. And of course, Revelation 5.13 where John's glimpse of eternity is one in which every creature in heaven, on earth, under the earth, and in the sea is singing together forever around the throne of God. Not to mention Colossians 1.20, where the writer of the book of Colossians says that in Christ, God was reconciling the whole creation to God's self. All of which is to say that when it comes to these great mysteries, as inspired and inspiring as the Bible is, at some point, some questions do become more about the Holy Spirit than about the Holy Bible. Looking back across my life, while I cannot speak for you, of course, as for me, I, I think I always had my questions about Onlyism, But I learned early on to just keep them to myself. Which I continued to do even long after I knew that that something more must be true. It was a long, hard journey and whereas Jacob spent one night wrestling around with God and himself. I spent a thousand holding on. I will not let you go until you help me figure this out, until you bless me. And then, One evening, a little more than twenty years ago, Marsha and I went to a Friday evening worship service at Beth Israel, Beth Israel. Our first home. I actually went back there this week and went around behind and parked my car and got out and sat down on the brick wall that surrounds the beautiful Holocaust Memorial with a pad and a pen because I thought it was the only place where I could write these words that I'm saying now. Following that evening service, once Marcia and I were back home, I had this moment which I concluded the same journey Paul started in today's epistle passage. Saying to God out loud uh, something I had long known in my spirit but had never said with my mouth, God, I said to the night sky, in order for me to be an honest man I just need to say to you what I know you already know which is that I believe that those souls with whom we worship tonight are as much your people as the souls with whom we will worship On Sunday, it sounds so simple and awkward to say it out loud. I think it's just a less inspired, more cornbread and peas version of Paul's great affirmation. God has included us all in sin so that God can include us all in mercy. After which, as you know from your own reading of the book of Romans, in the very next verse, Paul closed the Roman parenthesis by singing Oh, the depth of the riches of God, Paul sang. The judgments of God are unsearchable. The ways of God unknowable. To God be the glory forever. After which, Paul, having reached the place where words run out, fell silent.